Hello and welcome to an episode of Case Champion Conversations, a knowledge mobilization initiative, showcasing case studies written by McEwen professors and interviews with their business community partners. Case studies are real business problems brought into the classroom to help students apply their academic studies to professional practice and explore how they might solve a similar problem in the future. These conversations are part of McEwen's 50th anniversary celebration and illustrate one way we achieve teaching greatness through scholarship and teaching that is grounded, relevant, trendsetting, and in the mix. I'm Brittany Eklund, and with me here today is Dr. Mike Annette and Renata Burwash. Dr. Mike Annette's work focuses on human resource management and the systems that organizations use to manage and support their workforce. Renata Burwash is Director of Diversity and Inclusion Consulting at Gateway Association, an organization that supports persons with disabilities and their families and offers employment initiatives that connect job seekers and workplaces with resources required to build performance and inclusion. Today, we're talking about the case Uplift, the use of gender pronouns in email signatures. Thank you both for coming in today. Uh, Mike, can you start us off with a brief overview of the case, and then you can start with your questions for Renata. Thank you, Brittany. Before getting into the case itself, I want to clarify that we are lifting the disguise on the protagonist and the company in the case. And we'll discuss the disguising and revealing a little bit further in the interview. In the case, Renata Burwash has a few decisions to make about revealing her pronouns in business communications, in emails, letters, and on LinkedIn. Renata is a straight, white, able-bodied female and does not feel anxiety about a reveal in any kind. Rather, she's struggling with the appropriateness of doing so, as including gender pronouns was not a common practice, and she worried about stepping on the toes of people where gender pronouns were actually a big reveal. Renata has a related but a bit different decision to make, as she has a capacity as a director in her organization. And as a director, will she influence or direct her staff to also include their pronouns in their business communications? Okay, so Renata, we're going to start with a few questions about participating in the case first, and then we'll get into the case itself. Sure. All right. So the first question, why did you first engage with McEwen on a case study? Well, part of my role as director at Gateway is to educate, to engage, and to bring awareness around diversity and inclusion topics and challenges uh, in the community and with our stakeholders. So while we focus more on disability inclusion at Gateway, disability does intersect with every other equity-seeking group as well. So doing this case study was a great learning opportunity and way to sort of document some changes we made. I also sought to do the case study with McEwen um, as it brings a lot of benefits. Can you tell me a bit more about these benefits that being involved in the case study must uh, give you some material, some ideas, some experience to work with. Tell me a little bit more about what you thought you might get from this arrangement. Absolutely. So first, it's just really just the partnership with McEwen University, um, collaboration with stakeholders and continual learning uh, is something we're always doing. Um, so that we can do better. Uh, and this is a big priority for, for myself and for Gateway as a whole. So having the case study itself was a benefit uh, as we were able to share this internally and start discussions. You know, inclusion and diversity, it's, it's a journey, right? So we're always having discussions and, and bringing in other perspectives. Um, so it's a starting point for us. But then also it was something that we were able to, you know, share externally with stakeholders um, that we work with. 
Oh, very cool. It's a couple really nice lines of how it helps you inside and outside. And often we think about the benefits, but also some of the cons or risks when we're making decisions. Was it a bit of a risk or a bit of a challenge to think about joining in on the case study process? You know, I think it's always a little bit, um, a little risky, I guess. You know, not not so much working with you, uh, but because in the disability and inclusion um, space, there's a lot of opinions. And especially when you're an organization that is specializing and has expertise around diversity and inclusion, I think it's always risky because people are watching what you're saying and what you're doing. And you want to you want to make sure you do the right thing and you say the right thing. So if I can be honest, it's always a little bit of a risk. I can understand that. And that when you're sharing some decisions you've made and you're opening those up to other people, look at them, that that might feel unsettling, wanting people to see things the same way. And one of the opportunities that I shared with you was the opportunity of disguising the case, both the company and yourself. And you took me up on that opportunity, which is fine. That's why it's there. But now we're looking at revealing your identity. So tell me a bit more about uh, the value of the disguise, but also why now you don't feel there's as much of a need for disguising the situation. Yeah, I think now it seems really silly, but things were really quite different two years ago, right? Before the pandemic, the pandemic um, changed a lot of things in the diversity inclusion space. You know, you see now everyone is sharing their pronouns. We share them, you know, when we start a meeting, they're, you know, LinkedIn has added that option. Um, most people in my world, in our world anyways, uh, have added their pronouns to their signatures. Um, even, you know, as far as when you look at disability and other challenges, you know, in meetings, at one time, no one would mention that. Now I'm in meetings and people are sharing oh, well, I'm neurodiverse, so this is my perspective, or I live with anxiety, this is my perspective, and it's amazing. We've come so far. So now it seems a little silly, but at the time, nobody was using them. There was very, very few um, people adding their pronouns to their signatures, um, and those who did, there was, there was a bit of eye-rolling at the time. Um, so... Again, just along with that risk, I thought, you know what, I have the option. Let's just disguise for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it's been a bit of time since the case was written to now. Uh, if you look back on the experience and were to sit down with another community partner that we reached out to and asked to discuss a business case with them, uh, what advice or comments would you have to that other partner? I would say do it. Like it's it. It just makes sense, right? First of all, anybody working in human services, uh, such a huge part of our job is ongoing learning, collaborating, sharing our learnings. Um, So try to collaborate wherever you can. And then on top of that, if you're collaborating with someone who's going to give you something in the end that you can learn from, uh, teach, you know, help to teach internally and externally and share that. And also even uh, get the word out about your organization and the work that you're doing. Because a lot of times we do this work um, and we forget to share it. And it's so important. But because of time resources, we don't always have that opportunity. So this kind of gives you that opportunity as well. Yeah. And let's talk a bit more about the case itself now. You had shared that over the last two years, some thinking and feelings had changed. But let's go right back to the time where it's you 
and you're looking at your email signature and thinking about, do I put in a pronoun here? Do I leave it blank? Just tell me a little bit more about why that was an issue for you. Why did you need to think about it, not just do it quickly? What was going on for you? Well, I think for me, it was no one else at Gateway was using um, adding their pronouns. And I'd seen it very little out there, right? And as I said, a little bit because, you know, I'm not part of the queer community or... um, should I should I be doing this? You know, is there going to be eye rolling? And not that I'm necessarily worried too much about that, but it it was a decision, right? Because no one else was. Again, now it's you know it's a totally different world. But um, so it took some thought. And as a director, okay, so is this something we're going to ask other people to do? Am I going to model it? Am I going to send out an email? And are we going to have some more conversations about this? So. You know, there's thought that goes into everything you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I recall that you were thinking about your signatures in email, which is one thing to discuss with people in a peer group or a professional group. And then one about your LinkedIn profile, which is a different audience altogether. Can you share a bit more about your thoughts on the difference between whether pronouns should go in one place or the other? Yeah, at the time... Um I added it to my emails. Um, That seemed like a natural first step. Um, What I did at that time was I did send out an email to the rest of the team just to say, this is why we add our pronouns. This is why I'm personally adding my pronouns and gave a bit of an explanation on both um, and then left it up to them. On LinkedIn, I think at the time that was, um, again, because I wasn't, I'm not part of the queer community. I I just was a little apprehensive at, at that time because I didn't see it much at all on LinkedIn um, other than in certain communities, right? So, yeah. yeah. And I remember then, too, that LinkedIn did not have a specific field for putting in your pronouns. So you had to misuse, and say it that way, a different field to put in your pronouns. And now it's there, so it's more open, but you're going against the grain of a social media platform that must have felt a little bit unsettling to be like, should I really be doing it this way? It did. And when you look to now, even on Facebook, people aren't using a lot of, it depends what space you're in, right? And on LinkedIn, I wasn't seeing it a lot. And I think just personally, I was thinking, you know, just the eye rolling and okay, like, why are you putting your pronouns on your LinkedIn, right? Um and you're right, there wasn't a space for it. So you had to, yeah, kind of figure out how to even how to even get it on there. And with this theme a little bit more about making the decisions, it was one decision for you and what you're putting on your place and talking with your staff. And you shared that you left it up to them, but just tell me a little bit more about this thought process. As a leader of an organization, you've made a decision for yourself. But Do you want others to follow you to make up their own mind? Just tell me a little bit more about uh, thought of how you might direct your staff. Yeah, and I I think every organization has their own culture based on a lot of different things, including size. For Gateway, we are able to have a lot of conversations, right? And this this is what we do. Inclusion, all of these conversations really matter, and especially if we're going out and spreading awareness and educating others. Um, We like to think that we're trying to do a really good job internally. Um, so the first step was adding it and then sending out an email as to, yeah, to why, 
um, personally and uh, just in general. And then there was other conversations after that. There mm -hmm. was the, you know, kind of more personal conversations with teams, um, just natural. It wasn't, uh, you know, there wasn't a big memo, but add it to the agendas, which is always important. If, you, if things are important, add them to the agendas and have conversations, right? So we had those conversations. And then as a larger organization, we had those conversations um, and everyone just added their pronouns. It was not another conversation, so. And one, perhaps one final question about pronouns. Uh, with the work you do at Gateway, have they shown up in a meaningful way with your clientele, with your staff? Uh, I guess the impact of this decision to start including pronouns in your communications, have you seen other benefits or other uh, signifiers of it be being the right decision? Absolutely. As I said, even, you know, in meetings, people are sharing. Now there's a safe space to share if people want to, right? Um, we don't want people to have to out themselves in a meeting, but, you know, if if you share, others often will, will feel comfortable too. Um, we have, uh, you know, staff that have they, them pronouns. We have lots of, lots of conversations about um, challenges and barriers um, and then disability intersects with so many other um, equity-seeking groups, right? So it's a safe space for every participant we work with, every family member to know that, uh, you know, they're accepted. We want them to walk away knowing they're welcome, they're respected, they're getting the services they need and deserve. Um, at the end of the day, that's what we want them to leave with. So I think it's just one more step to make sure um, they get that. Renata, thanks for coming and sharing with me and with us about a number of professional and personal choices. The Thank ability you. to come out and talk about what you're doing as Gateway Association and decisions that happen inside the association, but also the identity and expressing identity that's very personal. So thank you again for coming and sharing with us. Thanks so much to you, Mike, and to McCune University for um, letting me be a part of this case study. This has been an episode of Case Champion Conversations. Support for the conversation is provided by McEwen University's 50th Anniversary Celebration Committee, the School of Business, and the Faculty of Fine Arts and Communications. Case Champion Conversations are created by William Way, Mike Annette, Markarand Gulawani, Teresa Chica James, Claire Dang, and Victor Bilodeau. And this episode is hosted and produced by Brittany Eklund, recorded and edited by Dylan Cave. Executive producer is Ray Barry.